Hey there, welcome to ATLN 29, a podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We are recording on a Saturday evening after the Hawks loss in Miami. Uh, where do you want to start, Glenn? Uh, let's start in Miami so we can end with the good news, the, the fun <laughs> oh, stuff. Okay. Although there was interesting stuff in this game tonight for sure. Yeah. Uh, what what did you see defensively from the Hawks in the fourth quarter? Let me restart there since that's sort of fresh, freshest. Yeah, well, I mean, the, sort of the game flow was super high level. First half, they were getting way too spread out. I mean, spreading them out. They couldn't uh, impact driving lanes, etc. Third quarter, they got that fixed. And then the fourth quarter with the Hawks kind of I, I when I put this on Twitter, I almost said the Hawks offense was humming with the Congo and Jay. And I was like, okay, that, that's overstating it for sure. But the Hawks offense was at its best when Okongo and Jalen were on kind of getting up and down the court. Uh they're the, the two best passers at their positions on the team. Um and that that helped create a lot of shots for Bogey and at Sadiq Bay. Um that's kind of what got them back in it, but then I don't know, maybe five minutes to go, six minutes to go. I'd have to go back and look at exactly, but uh, they took Spo took the guy that Jalen was guarding, and I'm going to talk later about Jalen guarding ball handlers, not not bigs here in the last couple of games. But they put basically put Jalen in a congo in side pick and roll, two side pick and roll, one slash pick and roll, which is more near the three point break. But I think it was still the same concept. And uh, and Jalen just doesn't have a ton of experience. You know, he's been the big in the pick and roll, not the guy guarding the ball handler in the pick and roll. He had trouble. Navigating the screen, closing down space after the screen, and uh, and Spo uh, kind of forced Quinn's hand and made him take a Kagu and and Jalen out. I don't know if he actually had to take a Kagu out, but a Kagu had played a lot of straight minutes in a row there. Right. Um, and and not too much longer later, a Kagu went back to the table for Clint. Um, you know, so um, but you know, I think it was a combination of Jalen and a Kagu not being able to kind of sort out that side pick and roll and when when Jalen and Akangu went off and went back to be kind of jaunty and trade trying to create something which was, was not successful at any point in the game right and the the defense didn't get better after that substitution I mean it kind of had to come anyways because they had both played a ton of minutes but with Capella in they kind of kept going at it yeah they, I thought, they did I, you know what I thought was interesting was you know, they they would run that you know sort of elbow pick and roll with uh, Bam coming down the middle, right? But what I thought was interesting was they basically would put Butler in the dunker spot, and you know they basically dared Hunter to you know be the help from there, and that's a really risky proposition because you know Bam's a good passer, uh, Butler's a good finisher at the rim. Uh, in that kind of situation, you got to worry about offensive rebounds. And it just didn't feel like Hunter, you know, Hunter in that situation in the dunker spot, you know, sort of has Bay with him on the weak side. And it just felt like, you know, he didn't trust Bay to to get over to Butler in those situations. <clears throat> so, he, you know, yeah. you know, basically Hunter was just staying home. Like, you know, he's 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 covering somebody in the dunker spot. Bam's coming down the middle. And he's really just not going to that at all. Like he's he's just kind of staying home with Butler in that dunker spot. Yeah, but although the Hawks have 
you know, for a while now been shuffling the smaller defenders out to the perimeter and the bigger defender taking the guy closest to the paint. So that means like, like we saw it a few times, like in Portland against Portland where JC was coming in, picking up a guy who was down that would make him the low man, as opposed to say DeJounte or someone like that. So I, I don't know if that's been just kind of, if that was more of the same that we've seen for a while, or if that's um, some concern he had about Bay. Um, but, you know, before Hunter came back on, not only was Spo putting Jaden Okongwu in that pick and roll, he was putting Bogey and Bay <laughs> on the weak side, <laughs> which was like, I mean, that's it's pretty, pretty, pretty smart, you know. So, yeah, I thought Bogey in particular had a very rough. And it's not like it got substantially better, but uh, in the first half, I thought he had a real, real hard time defensively. It felt like, you know, there were, for a few minutes, it was like in every possession situation where, you know, there was something bad happening on his end. Yeah, I recently had a, a exchange with a, uh, a former coach i think he's still he's still still in the league but um about bogey it kind of met back to that play who um their loss to washington was no no i'm blanking (laughs) they created the shot on the weak side why am i blanking on which game that was where the question was did bogey over help from that corner who was the shooter in that game Anyway, I'll think of it in five minutes. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I'll think of it in a few minutes. But but it it went back to the to to the game where um where that was uh kind of happened. And I was I was and I was kind of soliciting some feedback around I thought Boog Bogey made the right play as a low man. That's the traditional way to play it. And what I heard was that not necessarily Bogey made the wrong play, um, but that Bogey over helped and got himself too far away from his man and his timing was off. And it's funny now that I got that feedback when I was kind of soliciting some, you know, input around that, I can't stop seeing Bogey over healthy, <laughs> you know, was it the Charlotte uh, game? Something like that. No, 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 uh, no, wait, no. Yeah. It was the Washington game. The Washington game. Must have been the Washington game Cause they were down um, three or. I don't know. No wait. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. It was God, I'm making it lost. worse. I'm not helping. Yeah, let's figure this out. Was it the Nets game? It was the Nets game. Yeah, it was the Nets game. Yep, it was the Nets game. Yeah, and the reason I couldn't remember is because I was thinking is that was the losing play and the Hawks ended up winning. That's why no, I couldn't remember it. Right, but uh, you know, but you know, they got um, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith got the ball. They forced the ball to him, which is where you want to go. And he came off the right three point break, and Bogey, you know, came down to the paint, and everybody on Twitter was like, "You're up, you're up three, which I understood, but Brooklyn still had a timeout, you know, and and I, I that's why oftentimes you'll see a team with the timeout play it straight, and and not play as if if we stop the three, we win the game because of that timeout. But it was interesting to me that, um, what I heard was that the biggest defender on that play was Hunter letting the ball get middle. And then the second biggest defender was um, Hunter over helping. I thought Bay was really late in rotation, but they I, consistently. I heard that he was the third, you know, worst defender. Not not recognizing that Bogey went low could be that Bogey didn't c- communicate that he was going 
uh, to the rim when he did, when he went early. You know, if you're going to go early, I guess you got to communicate. Anyway, back to this game, you know. So, uh, I mean, so suppose stack Bay and Bogey on that weak side over and over, and neither of them are really going to be generally impactful, you know, as low man helping at the rim. And Bam is so fast, you know, getting from the point of the screen down through down through the paint and 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 you know Jalen, I I love that Quinn's playing him on ball handlers on guards now. He he the bit of Dame for what ten minutes of that game, yeah on on Friday, um yeah. you know and we could uh, you know we could maybe talk about that a little later, but um but in this case, I mean Chauncey Billis is not Eric Spolster, <laughs> you know maybe five six years from now or what you know or whatever you know. Chauncey kind of builds up his kind of uh, ability to kind of coach on the fly and things like that. I mean, but suppose about as good as it gets, you know, being tactical on the fly and all that sort of stuff. But um, I mean, the Hawks had to have Bogey and Bay on because they needed the three point, their two best three point shooters on the floor to try to come back and get it. But then they almost got it to a single possession game. Um, and but but Spo kind of waited till just the right exact moment to break out. That uh, that side pick and roll that kind of kind of kind of broke things uh, for the Hawks, even though they still almost had to push push back into the game. But I mean, the the I think the thing that'll be forgotten and missed is that the Hawks really fixed their defense at halftime. I mean, they really really did. Yeah. Um, you know, their their defensive spacing was much better coming out of the out of the break. They were impact driving lanes. They were uh, getting digs. They were you know putting extra bodies kind of. You're closer to the paint. Um, the Heat run all this kind of, you know, weak side two way action where they'll have a guy set a back screen to try to free someone for a lob. I remember one of the Miami games earlier this year, they felt like they got 60 points on lobs on that backside, right? Right. And now with Kevin, Kevin Love on the team, what they love to do, no pun intended, is if you, the two defenders overplay the cut off of that back screen, they'll pop Love up to the three-point line and he'll get a wide-open three, you know, and and Love works perfectly for that. And that action was stressing the Hawks a ton uh, yeah. in the first half, you know. Um, and they they managed to kind of kind of fix that. They're, I think, I imagine from what I saw, Quinn was like, be solid on the cutter and bust your rear end and close out. <laughs> you know, Kevin Love's not going to take you off the dribble if you get to him, you know. So, um, but but in top of in addition to that, the defender one pass away from the ball was loading up better, the better spacing, impacting, and showing showing hands and a kind of a body there. So, I mean, their 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 defensive third quarter was awesome, and that's what kind of let them inch by inch kind of get back in the game. Um, and you know, I know I could hear like people, I can imagine people asking, well, what was the what was the adjustment Quinn needed to make? Sometimes there's just not one. You know, he's trying to play Jalen on on guards now, which I love. Um, and there was like three and a half, four minutes left in the game at that point in time. I mean, it's kind of it's like Spo had this, you know, ace in his back pocket that he was just kind of waiting for the right time to use until there really was wasn't much time to kind of situate an adjustment. So, so sometimes there's not one. You know, that's just that's what good coaches do. But anyway, kind of a long-winded answer. But you know, I. I, I think it is going to be missed that they really fixed their defense to halftime, and that's what got them back in the game. Everyone will remember Bam getting all those, you know, runs to the basket late, and then Trey Dejounte doing whatever they were doing, you know, in the fourth quarter on offense. All right. So, what do you, what do you make of uh, Trey's game tonight? Because Quinn said 
Uh, let's get this right. Uh, you know, he was great. Our two guards just competed. In the beginning of the second quarter, Trey defensively raised his level. He's moving his feet. He's talking. He usually goes back in that fourth quarter. And I came down to tell him that we were going with the group that was, you know, I'm sorry, making the comeback. My words, not Quinn's. And yep. so he didn't check himself back in. And he was like, I got you, coach. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, it. I so first of all, I'll say I think that was Trey's best defensive game of the year, and, and it's not it's not because of the steals. I mean, that was right. part of it for sure. Yeah, but he was um, fighting. He was he had he had a presence where he's where he needed to be. He was disruptive, and so you know we want to kind of get that out there first on offense. If it felt like it was kind of just more of the same from the playoff series last year, where one. They were either completely walling off middle pick and roll, so so putting two, if not in some cases three bodies, basically right at the free throw line. So there's no Trey's not getting to a floater, you know, at all. And it's even hard in middle pick and roll to get your big man diving, you know, having a, a path to kind of get to the rim, diving to the rim. Um, and then if the Hawks spread them out a little bit and they couldn't get those bodies to the free throw line, then they would basically blitz Trey and make him kind of back up towards the half-court line, right? And Trey has to give the ball up there. In fact, you heard um, – I heard somewhere uh, Quinn talking about um, give the ball up, give the ball up. You hear you hear them say that all over and over, give the ball up, you know, and, and move. Give the ball up and move. And I felt like that was Trey kind of, uh, you know, putting that into action to a degree – and Trey has to get when he's when he's blitz, he has to give the ball up. He has to. He's not, sure. you know, LeBron, like a, a historically like um out a historical outlier like a LeBron James can physically push through stuff like that. I mean, but that, that's like one person in the last 50 years, maybe or you know, right. maybe Michael, you know, MJ, all the, the you know, we the, the what the pick and roll was it, you know, what it is now then. But I mean, he has to give the ball up. And I feel like when he came back on the court. You know, with Anyeka off and Jalen off, I felt like he and DeJounte probably felt like we have to do this, you know. But they generated some terrible shots. I mean, you know, there's no way around describing it, um, you know, in a different way, you know, um, other than they were they were terrible shots, you know. So, but I, I, don't, I don't know what the solution was, Um you know, run Hunter in short roll, you know, you know, you know, we, we, we all always talk about, he's a little bit more on the mechanical side where Jay, Jalen is fluid, you know, he, I mean, he and the Yucca were really moving the ball on the weak side. Well, and Bay was knocking down shots over there. And so I just, I, you know, it's, there's not always a solution and there's not always an adjustment. And I, I don't, maybe there was one that someone who knows more than me has or whatever, but I do know that sometimes there's not one, you know, it, apart from just, like Nate would say, play harder, you know, be more solid. Um, but I, I didn't see a solution there at the end, even though, um, I mean, you might say more ball movement, more screening or whatever, but second night of a back-to-back, they used a ton of energy to get that back to where they were. And I I didn't see, I thought it was just too late to try to try to come up with a one more kind of a swing of an, in the form of an adjustment. So tip your hat. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's tricky because you know when they're putting bodies in the gaps like that, it does open stuff for some other people. Like 
you know, you, you saw Clint's offensive game tonight, and that's, you know, early on, a lot of it, he worked on himself. Like some of them came off offensive rebounds and stuff, but a lot of it was, was passes for Trey because you know, there was, there was an angle, you know, they, they had to, the help would have to come to, to get to Clint because, you know, he could kind of get an angle behind that person that was trying to wall off Trey, but you know, there's, there are times when you make that good pass to Clinton, you know, he's, he's not, he's, he's sure handed, but, you know, you do it enough times and you, you try to rely on him as an offensive fulcrum because that's just the way that the defense is dictating. They're, they're daring you to do that. And, you know, enough times there's going to be a help defender who comes and gets a, a finger on the ball and pokes it away. And it just wasn't, it wasn't reliable enough that you could do that over and over again. I don't know. Yeah. 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 No, I, I agree. And, and I, and that's where I think Miami's like, we'll live with that. You know, if Clint puts up, you know, 30 points, then that'll be and the first it's tough time this too year. Because, <laughs> you know, there were, there were times that they were being super aggressive and there was like one where, you know, they, they, I think it was Trey that they trapped. It's like, okay, they're going to trap Trey. So it's four on three inside the play. Trey gave it up. The Hawks are running, you know, they're, they're, they're doing what they need to, to, to make that four on three work. They get Onyeka to the free throw line and Butler's on him. And, you know, Onyeka's like, okay, I see the open guy. I'm going to make the pass. And Butler just shoved him. It's like, yeah, the, that, that you can defend the four on three pretty well when you just, knock the passer off his line and just, you yeah. know, make the ball go wherever it's going to go when you do that. Yeah. So I don't know. It was, it was a rough night. It was. And you know, the heat get away with a lot defensively. I, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't always want to say the officials were bad. I, th- I thought the officials were not great tonight, but at the same time, the heat, um, you know, the best kind of parallel I can think of is, you know, in the NFL cornerbacks, like no, what referees are going to let them get away with. And they practice that technique and perfect that technique over and over and over. And, you know, we don't need to get the football discussion. But but similarly, I think the Heat know what the referees call and don't call. And they get physical or they get handsy. Uh, and they kind of go right up to that line, sometimes go past that line if the officials left, let them. And they're, and they're a super physical defense. It's frustrating to be a person who's rooting for the team they're playing against, even if you admire a lot of what they do and how they do it, which I do. You know, um, but um, it, I expected, you know, it was a prettier game, mostly because I think Kyle Lowry didn't play. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, but I mean, there, I mean, just an example, the Hawks, like most teams, when there's a rim runner, the heater rim running Jimmy, like they do all the time, first guy back has to get back and make contact with him. Jimmy's still so good at getting the angle and ceiling, you know. Yeah. And Yak is running back, and there's literally three, maybe four Heat players sprinting with him, like three or four at all times. On the second night of a back-to-back that they're playing, too, you know. And they're just – the Heat do things that other teams don't do. Their guards rebound. Their guards always come in and help rebound. And, uh, I mean, and their guards are, are pretty big guards, you know, um, but they're not like, like Gabe Benson is Gabe Benson is a, a massive guard. He's got, you know, good size, but he plays big. He comes in and puts a body on as a rebounder. And, you know, if Bam will try to take two rebounders with him all the time and the guards come rebound, you know? And so it's, it's, 
it's it's funny to for me to kind of watch a team that does all that sort of stuff and have such an appreciation for what they what they do and how they do the fundamentals. And but to also think like this team's not going anywhere in the in the postseason, but I can still sit and enjoy <laughs> watching them play. It, I mean, yeah. the way they defend, the way they communicate, the way they disrupt, the way they know exactly where the officials kind of implement the rules, the way they chase rim runners, the way, you know the way they dig. Like they never miss a chance to 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 dig. You know, help with the. Di- it's, I mean, it's the the Bucks are probably the closest thing to that right now in you know, defensive half court. You know. Um, but I mean that they win so many games they wouldn't otherwise win because they rebound, they help, they wall off, all they they send multiple people after the rim runner every time, you know. And uh, Tyler Harrow go hero goes out goes five for sixteen or whatever he is. Uh, they have a bunch of turnovers and they like win all their like. They win back the game in all the other categories, <laughs> rebounding and defending rim runners and stuff. So, you gotta be you gotta be good, uh, clean. You have to you have to have a really clean game against them, or they'll beat you in all those categories. And they did tonight. And the Hawks had a chance. Like they did. I really thought that you know Trey played a good, ugly game through the first three quarters, but when he came back in the fourth, like I think he just got frustrated. And yep. you don't, you see that less and less. Like, I think that was something that was a more of a theme and, and, you know, in the first few seasons of his career and yep. he's just sort of matured and grown out of that. But I don't know if it was like, you know, stuff lingering from the playoff series or whatnot, but the last five minutes just, it, I thought, you know, I thought he played a very frustrated brand of basketball. He took yep. uh, some threes that weren't the greatest of threes you know, he, he missed a yeah. three and he got the ball back. I think he missed a second one, but they were all good shots. And right. he was right there for a third one and he just kind of gagged on the ball. And it's like, you know, you you forced a couple of bad threes a minute ago. And I know you just missed two. You got to shoot it again. Like, and even if you don't, like, put the ball, make the defense contort. You know, you, you've got multiple options there. And he just kind of choked on the ball instead. And then I think gave it back to DeJounte. And it's like, you know, that that's like the the worst thing you could do out of all the possible options. And he chased a couple of bad offensive rebounds and just, you know, let the heat get easy stuff in transition. And I just thought the, you know, I don't know if it's an energy thing because he played a lot of good defense and he's still sort of figuring out that balance. But, you know, even on a bad night, I thought the, the last, you know, whatever it was when he came in five minutes was, you know, was completely different version of bad than, everything that came before that where it was just like okay shots didn't fall the heat are paying a lot of attention to you you know you just kind of have to play through that and and i thought he kind of did like it was it wasn't great but it was fine and then like the last five minutes was just not good yeah and you know this is why the heater like so good on like random you know whatever night of the week in the regular season i mean suppose when the coast forever these guys like Gabe Vincent and Max Drews all came through the, the development program, the G League, Summer League. And if you ever go watch them play in Summer League, it's exactly the same. Three guys chasing a rim runner, the communication the, on defense, the digs, the flipping defense. And, you know, it's like the formula is the formula, like all the time. You know, this was Quinn's, you know, Quinn still in his first you know five games <laughs> as coach here, you know. And and it's it's hard to kind of match that, but I'll tell you though the kind of the 
the thing I felt like I watched across the two games was against Portland, Quinn had two full days to work with his team to get a game plan put together and implemented. Right. Even I mean, yeah. I like I liked what DeJounte shared about I think he said something along the lines of like it was we were just kind of look at video and we ended up out on the court or you know th- those are my words but something along the lines of walking through things That's and a good they yeah they and they I mean Dane did only like quote walked into like a couple of threes they were pushing him wide really really wide across the game eventually Portland went to running him off Ivers and cuts like all the way across the court Dane's still so good he makes shots you know moving from the right three point break to the left three point break across those screens. But they weren't letting him dribble into any of the stuff that he likes. And what you saw against the Heat was they had not even a full day, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I felt like it took them t- until the third quarter to kind of be able to implement what Quinn was asking them to do on defense. And as as rough as the officiating felt in the first half, you could to me, you can tell like Quinn wasn't getting on the officials at all. And I think that what that suggests is the Hawks weren't doing the things that he was asking them to do. Um, and I, I mean, a coach is often going to not get on the officials unless you're like, if your coach gives you a top three things we have to do in this game to win this game, you're not doing them. He's not going to go put energy into the officials. He's going to try to get your focus on the three things you got to do to win this game. Right. And I felt like that's kind of where that felt like that's what I was watching. I don't want to speak for him, but I felt like that's what I was watching. Um, and then coming out of the half, they got the defense fixed and, uh, and with Bogey, Bay, Jalen, Okongwu, and even with DJ out there kind of letting those guys work, they were moving the ball from strong side to weak side, creating threes. And, you know, and so it's frustrating because I thought Quinn solved a lot. You know, I you know I used to talk about how I didn't view Nate as a guy who liked to be kind of in the solution of business and be more about fundamentals, all that sort of stuff. But they, on the fly, they fixed a lot tonight. And, and I felt like the major difference between the two games – Number one, Miami's a lot better than Portland. Right. Um, number two, I felt like, you know, that quick turnaround, you know, if Quinn had had two full days to prepare his team for this Miami game, I think the execution would have been closer to what it looked like against Portland, you know, even though it's a tougher opponent and all that. But I mean, I think the next three games interesting, right? Because for sure, he's had a game against Washington and he's had a game against Miami. And the next three games are Miami, Washington, Washington. Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I mean, I think it's on the broadcast, they kind of talked about kind of a, a quasi playoff deal, right? Right. But um, it's just interesting. Forget playoff. I think it's just interesting from a coaching perspective that, you know, you get this new coach and you want to see what he can do. And, I think it's a lot more interesting to see what he does in second efforts, uh, you know, because yep. now it's a game of adjustments, not just a game of game plans. Yeah, yeah, and and that and that's the thing. I, I really do want listeners to. I I would encourage listeners to be encouraged by how much they fixed tonight because the first half was atrocious, <laughs> you know, and they fixed a lot in the middle of the game, you know, so that's, you know, so I, you know, I continue to watch this team and I continue to think they got a really good coach and, you know, it's, you know, AJ's not playing. I think, I, I think if you have to pick between Jalen and AJ, I want to play Jalen right now. You know, that's my, that's what I would choose. You know, if I, would, I, don't I would pick Jalen and I would pick AJ on the second half of back-to-backs. There you go. For the yeah, player I agree. Who not be playing the second half of back-to-backs. So won't even, name yeah. it, I think you can figure it, it out. Yeah, and and but I mean, but AJ's played a lot this year, 
you know, and I, you know, and so Jalen is the one who really, really in year two really needs to play. But what what's your thought of him defending Dame? Like, you know, we've seen so many like in Oklahoma City, Lou Dort guards, you know, Trey PJ Tucker from Miami you know, last year defends Trey. You know, we have, we have so many examples of that. And, you know, it's only been in these last couple of games that we've seen Jalen on Dame. You know, tonight, tonight we saw, you know, Jalen on Gabe Vincent, on, on ball, ball handlers, you know. What, what, I, what's I, your... I think it's interesting. It, it kind of reflects, like, the roster weakness in that area that, you know, it's basically Hunter and a prayer um, when it comes to on-ball defense on elite guards. I... You know, if you start to think about that, my my question to you was sort of Sadiq and John, like, it, you know, what's what's the future there? But like, if you if your long term vision of the future for the Hawks, like, if you look at you know what this front office seems to be on the track to, if it's if it's Sadiq over John, then I think you know maybe you kind of need Jalen to figure it out as more of a big man defender than an on ball defender, but. I, I don't think it hurts. Like, honestly, everything that he does on a court right now is a plus. Just play him. Let him yeah. figure stuff out. He's Absolutely. good, and he'll only get better when he plays. So if he figures out how to be a good on-ball defender, that's ideal. Like that, Honestly, and, and if you look at what suits him best right now, I think that suits him best right now. But I don't know. Like, I, I can't see Sadiq really working as a defensive power forward, so... Right, I, you know, it it, it kind of goes to that, but I think for right now, it, it suits his skill set really well. Like, he's he's got a lot of potential in that area. Like, he he moves his feet. He's got to get better at like two man game. Like, he, you know, I think that you know they could actually do more switching with the Kongwu and Jalen. I think they almost overthink some of those situations where he's trying to you know figure out how do I get over this? How do I get under it? Like, how do I navigate this travel? You know, I think you're, you're, if you don't switch that, you're, you're taking away some of their strengths and versatility there uh, when it, when it's the two of them together. But uh, you know, overall, like if it's just him in space, if it, if it's just him working with some veterans that can help him navigate the two man game, I think he could do a heck of a job. Yeah, I I agree, and I and I think it suggests that the Hawks looking maybe looking ahead to next year a little anticipate playing a little smaller at the four and the five, and you've got to be stronger at the point of attack if you're going to do that. You have to be right, mm-hmm. and you need more rebounding from your three. And maybe Jalen's going to split time across the three and the four. You know, I've talked about the fact that you know he and Hunter could play together with. Um, you know, they're kind of flipping positions on one end of the court and the other, and, and that's you know, that's an option. Um, but I mean, Jalen had, I mean, Hunter has been really good this year. I mean, he when they haven't had him, it's been they have nothing. Um, yep. but Jalen's on another level as an athlete when you combine his length and his mobility, his agility, and and he clearly has kind of the quick twitch kind of stuff that Hunter really does, doesn't have so much. Of. I don't want to say he doesn't have it, but doesn't have so much of you know. And that's, I think if you, I think I think you want to unlock as much of that as you can and make him as versatile as you can. You go in again in one game, you might need him to play the four, be the you know guy helping from the weak side, you know coming down inside. He and he's been good at that this year. In other cases, you might need him like right at the point of attack the whole game, you know. 
being physical, being big, being a presence like he was against Dame. And so I I, I absolutely love it. Yep. Um I love it. So isn't that the most significant thing that we've seen from yeah, Quinn yes. right now? Like like if you just say what's what's his thumbprint? Like what do you see as like a tangible result right now? That seems like the honestly like the strongest change. Yeah. And then just um you know giving them two or three kind of real priorities like on defense, like you know what they execute against Portland with Dame, like flush him out of the middle, you know, make him move left or right. And make him get to his shot that way. If he makes that shot, and he will make some great push to keep the ball out of the middle. Dame is deadly in the middle. I mean, there was a play where in that Portland game where Jalen kind of kind of helped as the second defender pushing the ball down to the left offensive left corner, and the ball kind of swung back, and Jalen got all the way back to his to the guy who got the ball and got his finger on it, created still in a run out, you know, score, you know. And that's the kind of like stuff. It, it's not just the defense. He when he's on the perimeter and he gets a, he gets a turnover, like he's that much more prepared to kind of really execute and transition, you know, as opposed to kind of being on the baseline all the time or or whatever. And he's been a great like rebound and one dribble turn. I mean, he had a he had a pass in the, in the Portland game from the free throw line. The yep. I think it was Sadiq running out there. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, get get him in a position to make plays. I think I think kind of creating more more options for where you deploy him gives you a chance to kind of you know take take advantage of his talent more. Yeah. So that's that's great. Um, on the other side, I mean, man, JC's struggling right now. I, do you think it's the? Do you think he's kind of working back from the concussion? Do you think they need to let him have two smoothies instead of one? Like what what's going what's going on there? I mean, I does it seem like there's any drop off defensively? I, I mean, I don't feel like he's been bad defensively. I just he was really good against Portland. He was really good against Portland. Yeah, I just I don't really think there's a whole lot there. I mean, maybe like the back to back with his, you know, he he was he had like a back issue recently. Yeah, I think that's bugging him a little bit. So I think yeah. the second night of a back to back that probably gets to him a little bit. But I think a lot of it's just. I think it's just mental on offense. Like he knows he needs to be a floor spacer. He's not making the threes that he wants to make. You know, I still think that he needs to mix it up a little bit. I, I maybe they're just telling him, Hey, when it's there, you know, shoot. I think he's taken some that are too early on the clock when he's got to drive. Like there was, there was one tonight where I think he drove and dished to Clint. And I thought it was a good possession that he just attacked instead of you know putting up the three. Right. I think he's got potential as sort of a of a as a drive and dish kind of player. I agree. If they're going to give him that much space because he's he's such a good athlete, he he's smart. He makes good decisions. He's not you know the most natural most natural dribbler or passer, but he's I think he's good enough that you know he he can be crafty there. But I, I just yeah. think it's mostly mental. I don't I don't know that yeah I. You know, if if the Hawks were a tanking team, or if they, you know, if they were thinking long term or short term, man, I just, I just think they need to get him out of the slump. I need, you know, just feed him, and until you know, yep. call, call, call plays for him to shoot threes out of timeouts. Like I don't know what you do. Like I just think they need to to get him in a new space mentally. I don't think it's a, you know, I think that the back thing is a physical thing. But I, you know, we're talking right. about months and months of of you know what he's right. looked like on offense and i 
I think it's it's a, it's a mental thing. I don't know if he you know if he. I don't think that the trade for Sadiq Bay helps him mentally either. I think that just sure. kind of feels like a stressor. Yeah, that, you know they yeah, and, him and, and, and they and brought in another power forward who who shoots threes and has that fast sure. trigger. Yeah. I think I think that weighs on him mentally too. So. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to watch the rest of the way. Um, it just seems like every change, whether it's the coaching change, the managerial change, the trade for Bay, like every executive decision, you know, from top down for the last four months, because there has been a lot of change in the Hawks universe, and it feels like every change has been a change that kind of chips away at his status and, you know, probably feels pretty insecure about that and, you know, combine that with what it's looked like on the court, and it just – I think it's worn away at him. Yeah, well said. He had a one play tonight where he had a guard on him on the right block, and he normally gets that inside pivot, gets that shot up, and he didn't do it. He like he gave up, you know, and that, I didn't like that at all. That could be exactly what you're pointing at there. So hopefully we'll see him, you know, solve some things and have some a better game. He was good against Portland overall. He was really good. I just, I, you know, I'm scratching my head a little bit on – um what I, what I see there. So, but some big, huge games this week. Nice win against Portland. Solving things on the fly against Miami tonight. Almost got them uh, a, a win, a game they would lose by more than 20. Um, so, interesting and encouraging stuff, you know, kind of across the board there. Even though I know Hawks fans wanted, wanted to win, big games coming up next few weeks. Right now they're I think uh three and a half back of Brooklyn. That's a that's a lot of a lot of work and a lot of help to get there. Now they're one and a half back from Miami with a chance to win one of those games back coming up this week. Uh, Toronto's half back, Washington's one and a half back. So um, you know, every game matters at this point in time. I don't I don't know if the Knicks are ever gonna lose again. <laughs> that shot Julius Randle made the other night. Uh, and then the Nets win over the Celtics. Uh, it was a kind of a crushing one for Hawks fans <laughs> and the Hawks. Um, but you know, me, I think big picture is kind of where everything that matters right now is kind of the big picture stuff, you know, not whether they get seven or eight, you know, or, or whatever, six, you know, or whatever. I think is getting the team kind of playing in a way that carries them into the offseason with an idea of kind of who they want to be next year. Um, and so that makes every game just, you know, really compelling basketball watching. Yeah. I like what you said about the big picture stuff. Like you see that in Quinn's comments about Trey. It's like, okay, you played defense, you competed. We'll figure out the X's and O stuff. You're, you're good on offense. We'll, we'll, we'll make that right at some point. Um, I don't think he's worried about that end either. So you can kind of see them, uh, cheating big picture. Cheating? Like Cheating's it. not the right verb there, but I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah, prioritizing the picture, right? Is that how yeah. we put it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Don't well, uh, Fox fans, don't don't miss the good stuff that was in that game tonight. The, the fix the defense in the second half, the playing through in Yucca and Jalen with Bogey and, and Bay creating those, you know, there's good stuff there. Don't miss that in the um, disappointment of the, of, the, of the result. So. That's my final comment here tonight. Very good. Have a good night, Glenn. You too, Kevin. Thanks.